0: So, part two of the lead up. Um, I think I was, yeah, talking about my dad's finances, what was happening at the time. Um, yeah, <laughs> my parents. My parents were a very strange couple. I don't think they should have ever been together, but they were. Um, Not to talk about that too much, but just constant arguments since I was a kid. And then with all of this happening, it was just... I think it was their world's kind of crumbling. Um, Whatever my dad's logic was behind doing what he did... Um, I felt at the time it was it was quite selfish. I didn't feel as though he was considering what I was going through i'm studying i'm i'm ch- trying to get into university this and that it was just all about him i mean he's he's an interesting character because he would always phrase it as though I'm doing this for the family, I'm doing this for you guys. I don't want to be working day and night. I want to, you know, pay off the mortgage, sell the house, pay off the mortgage, move into a smaller place, further out, whatever that meant, because moving further out in London. Yeah, so there was a, a lot of uncertainty. I, I did understand financially where he was coming from but at the same time I was a kid you want to fit in as least as less change as possible let alone completely selling the house and moving to a whole new area at the age of 16 when everyone's just starting to go out and parties and all of that stuff it was an immature mindset but that was a a strange a strange one to deal with because I was half concerned about um, the situation my dad was in I was half concerned about oh if we do manage to sell the house where are we going to go and yeah it, it basically my dad tried to I think it was it was a he was pretending as though we will sell two of the three flats we're going to create out of this house and live in one Um, because my sister's gone off to university, my brother's gone off to university, it's just the the four of us, me, my younger brother and my parents so the flat downstairs it was a pretty big house, They, they managed to make three bedrooms downstairs and one bathroom and in my bedroom it was an ensuite so basically two bathrooms it was a a really really good job but i think that goes to to show you how big this house was and how um how much my dad struggled to just remain in that house for so long as nice as the house was i I lived in it through primary school and then beginning of secondary school it, it the recession hit it all went downhill so it was very much a perception of, oh, we have a really nice house in a really good area, um, but we're actually in a lot of debt and struggling a lot. I, I think that's now that I've lived through that and the things I did in secondary school selling snacks, it built up all sorts of, all sorts of skills which I'm so grateful for today. Because I have a very different relationship to money Than my younger brother My younger brother was literally A baby slash kid When everything happened So he wasn't used to it And although we were in a lot of debt I think my parents overcompensated with, for that By giving him whatever he wanted So he was always used to just getting What he asked for Getting brand new things I was... The third child, he was the fourth, so he got everything brand new. And for some reason, I got the the hand-me-downs times two. <laughs> but yeah, he's a he's a special kid. He's a special kid. He is extremely intelligent. My younger brother Aaron, extremely intelligent. Um, and that's something I'm I'm not, but. I like to think my intelligence lies outside of school and academia. Um, But yeah, so I had all these things happening. My dad's situation, fundamentally, my confidence, my self-esteem doesn't exist. I'm spread really thin Leaving that house early in the morning... Coming back really late at night... Either I'm at my girlfriend's house... I'm in the library... I'm just trying to stay outside... Because I don't want to come back to a... Construction site of a home... Um... And I was also young... I wanted to make a bit of a statement... I'm pissed off I don't have a room... I'm living in rubble... It's a little bit annoying that this is happening... During my time... My A-levels... Um... That definitely was... I'll take responsibility for that. Um, Yeah, I was spread very, very thin. And I was constantly... in places, doing things. And I just wanted to be... alone. Like, I just wanted my own time and my own space. And I really, really needed solitude without even knowing it. But I needed to sort my own issues out before I get into a relationship before I'm going a thousand miles per hour you need that foundation and I didn't have it I didn't have it um, yeah yeah. naturally when you're spread th- so thin it's only a matter of time before things just, just come crashing down um, so this was towards May. I basically began Complaining about health issues Around About um, November November, December I had pains in my ribs Like aches in my bones It was strange And I was just constantly fatigued But I just put that Down to stress and I'm just non-stop doing things The On a weekend maybe When I've got nothing to do it's now I need to go see my girlfriend I she went to a completely different sixth form so the weekends were basically our time I had to dedicate that time to seeing her I say had to but this is part of my inability to say no and actually prioritize myself but weekends I'd wake up and I just have to be with her the entire day not like it was a chore but um Yeah, that would basically end up with me usually just sleeping over at her house. My parents not liking that at all, not knowing where I was. Making up the excuse that I was at my mate's house and I just decided to sleep over there. So yeah, it was not good at all. Um, Sundays I'd usually just spend the entire day with her and then later on on a Sunday I'd come back. Next thing I know, it's Monday morning again. The cycle continued. There was no, no real break from it. Um, the closer I got, I remember March, April, when I really started to feel stressed and I just couldn't... I couldn't handle it. I knew my exams were coming up and I just knew I was so far behind on my revision and I was almost deluded in thinking, I'm gonna block out two weeks, do nothing but study and I'm gonna catch up on my whole year of work in those two weeks and I'll, I'll be ready. Very deluded and I realized the closer it got to my exams, this is just not possible. That was just the icing and the cherry on top of, of everything. Um, so a week before my exams Early May I basically I remember one one night I came back I decided I'm going to Basically stay up all night And just revise Revise, revise, revise Because I just haven't done anything During the day um, I got back We had a petrol station Quite close to my house um, I remember going there I had like a sandwich and a Red Bull, thinking this is gonna keep me up all night. I had the Red Bull, and I literally went to sleep 10 minutes later. I was that fatigued. Um, I just slept like a, I say slept like a baby, but literally 10 hours of sleep. And then I woke up the morning of, the morning of me going into hospital. I woke up after a 10 hour sleep thinking or justifying it as let me sleep in and then tomorrow start fresh as we all as we all do like to think strategize. Um, What happened was I was still extremely fatigued and tired, almost as though I hadn't just slept for 10 hours like I didn't sleep at all. And then I kind of just threw on my clothes, um, whatever tracksuit and like joggers and the same old jacket and jumper, and I just left the house in a state. Um, I remember my dad; he used to get onto my case for not brushing my hair, not literally just waking up and leaving the house. I was just all over the place. Um, that's literally. What it looked like and probably what happened um, and then as I've left the house, basically I think my dad either followed me or he was going to work the same way like five minutes after me. as I've basically cornered like come come around the corner of my house um of my street, he's basically got in the car and gone around the same way and he's literally seen me collapse. Like I've pretty much collapsed at this point and him and my mum are in the car. I think that's probably where they must've followed me thinking something's not right here. Um, and yeah, they just told me to get in the car. And at that point I had no strength to either to even fight or be like, no, you know what, well, I'm going to college. I don't have time for this. I was just done depleted of all energy Um, got in the car I remember we went to a GP we went to the GP first um, because they could see something is wrong with me I think the color in my face was going and I was just all over the place took me to the GP and initially I remember the woman the doctor thought. Um she thought it could be a urine infection. <laughs> look at look at my luck. She thought it was gonna be she thought it was a urine infection, but she said, I wanna send you to the hospital to take bloods. Um Yeah, just to be sure. So that was a whole commute going from the GP back into my dad's car to the hospital. And then by the time I got into the hospital, I literally couldn't walk. At this point, I couldn't walk. Um, they put me in a wheelchair to push me around because it's just energy was gone. Like I really deteriorated very, very quickly. It's almost scary how quickly things are. Uh, shit hits the fan. And then we've gone up. We've gone up to the floor where they take bloods and I think as the woman as the woman's come to um phlebotomist has come to put the needle in my arm i basically fainted like I I don't know if it was because of the needle or I was just finished at that point I, I don't remember why but they were like okay we're gonna have to basically take him elsewhere and I remember being in the pharmacy room for ages while they were waiting for an ambulance to transfer me to a different hospital either because i don't know why why exactly what the reason was the doctors were maybe too busy the hospital was too packed so i don't i don't know the exact reason but they had to take me to a different hospital now that wait in that pharmacy room felt like years i became really impatient really grouchy Um, nauseous. I couldn't even sit up straight in the wheelchair. I deteriorated fast, very, very fast. Um, And at that point, I think my mum was even beginning to get quite scared. She was the only one with me. My dad had gone, bought me um, this apple juice, I still remember, and maybe a sandwich or something, but I wasn't... I had the appetite for nothing. I had some of the apple juice and was just there waiting with my mum and i think my dad just went about his business um bearing in mind he's got a bunch of actual stressful shit going on as well he's he's in his own world let alone having to deal with his son who's just about to be diagnosed with with cancer you yeah. know so yeah i've waited probably for a few hours by the time we've got into the um into the ambulance and my mum is great. She is she's amazing at just making friends and conversing with anyone and everyone. There was two ladies in the ambulance, um, and my mum just got on really well with both of them, just talking about whatever. And she basically or they they were like, which hospital do you want to go to? And my mum not to throw any hospital under the bus, but my mum knew one of the two options was clearly a better hospital. And they were like, yeah, we agree. We'll take him there. That hospital was extremely busy as well. um, And they ended up putting me in the janitor's room. It was like a tiny room with a makeshift bed. Um, And they just put me in there because I was literally, I couldn't even sit up. So I, I got to lie down there. They had taken my bloods. I don't actually remember that happening too well. They took my bloods, but I do remember the doctor basically, he's, they must have taken it, done the, the test, found out the results. I mean, I feel bad for them. How, how do you come in and tell a 16-year-old you've got l- leukemia? It was A-L-L, Acute Lymphoblastic Leukemia. So this guy, as he's walked in the room, my dad has come at this point. My mum, my dad, my younger brother are there. And I could just see on his face, like, he was a young guy, clearly burdened with what he has, what he knows and what he has to tell me. And to this day like the way he told me was so so amazing he in the same breath told me it was cancer leukemia acute lymphoblastic leukemia but there's a 98 percent chance we can cure this and it won't come back um, but it will be a three-year chemotherapy cycle so in my mind, as soon as he said that, I'm actually thinking, wow, I'm going to I'm going to put this on my CV someday. I remember distinctly thinking that because um, I, as I found out later on, you know, the more kids you meet with all different types of cancers and probabilities of going into remission and clearing the the cancer and this and that you realize 98 percent chance even at that time i knew 98 chance i'm gonna be fine i'm gonna live through this and i'm gonna get back to full health like that's i'm almost getting greedy here like that's that's really really good compared to a Five month chemotherapy cycle But you have a 25% chance of living I know which option I would rather take The sure thing But It's never as easy as just a Three year and, and you're done Complications happen Which I will go into and Massive complications happened Because my cancer was everywhere It was prime time shit You know I was I was In the heat of it It wasn't like it It just sprung up. So they had to basically start me on heavy, heavy dose of chemotherapy. And I was very sensitive to donorubicin, one type of chemotherapy, which they started me on, um, which I will go into more um, in the next episode. But yeah, from that point, I remember... After they told me that my mum, she broke down. My mum started crying and that set me off. I have to be honest, that really did set me off. It was, I think it was, it was bigger than myself. It wasn't me anymore. It was one of my mum's kids is having this issue and it was hard for her to compute that and understand what the fuck has just happened so yeah i I really felt like her her baby again in that moment it was a very strange connection but she was just hugging me crying and that i don't know to just even now i I kind of tear up because it really did set me off it was a very sad emotional moment even though i was in my mind i was like fuck this is heavy but 98% chance I'm I'm cool like I'm gonna be I'm gonna be fine Um, but yeah yeah that night the hospital was so busy they had to basically put me on the baby ward like a side room on the baby ward and I remember hearing babies crying all night long not like I was gonna get much sleep anyway but just the smell of that hospital, hospital clean smell of antibacterials or whatever it is, mixed with, yeah, the baby's crying. And I, I was just there. I was literally having my own one on one conversation with God, thinking, listen, if you get me through this, I. No ifs, buts, or doubts, I believe in you, man. <laughs> Help me out here, please but yeah that was that was me, that was me. The next day, thankfully you know I've got one of the best hospitals just round just round the corner, just a 20 30 minute drive. Um, next day I went into UCLH hospital t12t12 T12 north which is a teenage cancer cancer ward. Um, and I got put into my own room, which, you know, being there for nine months, you come to learn when you get your own room, it means you're pretty fucked up. They need to give you that special treatment. And then they've got base, but they put me straight in the room and I thought, wow, I've got my own TV, my own bathroom. There's a pool table down... You know, down the corridor, with all these DVDs. I'm in mean, a great place. Even went and played a game of poor, Kind of had a bit of energy about me. Um, and then shit hit the fan. But yeah, that's episode two of the lead up to the hospital. And in due course, I will follow up with the nine months I spent in the hospital. <laughs> I guess that was my first night and first day in the hospital um, but yeah, the nine months in a row was not intended, just an f y i but it just so happened to to end up being the case. <laughs>